Praise the Lord. All right, it's good to be in the house of God with you all tonight. Want to welcome everybody that's online. Want to see if we can pray and get going uh, with Bible study tonight. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you again for the opportunity to come into your house. We pray and ask tonight that your word, we know is true, and that, Father, your word will touch the lives of those that are here and allow us to hear what you're saying to us, that we might grow from it. Father, we ask all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. I mean, tonight we are continuing our study in the book of uh, 1 John. So we're in 1 John chapter 3, and what we're going to do is read, not the whole chapter, but we'll read uh, the first maybe 10 or 11 verses, and then we'll kind of walk through those. Uh, let us begin at verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we, shall, we know that we shall appear, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and him in is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. All right, so, so we see here then in 1 John chapter 3 that John continues to explain to us uh, God the Father. He explains to us Jesus and what we saw manifested in Christ that we see, he says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us by allowing us to be called sons of God. And he goes on to say, beloved, now are we the sons of God and we don't know what we're going to look like when that time comes, but we do know that when Jesus appears, we will be like him. And then he goes on to say that every man that has this hope purifies himself even as Jesus is pure, so that God looks that we should be making an effort at purifying our lives and getting ourselves correct before God in such a way that we can be bold in the day of judgment because the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. In verse 4, it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgress the law, for the sin is transgression of the law. So God did not do away with the law through Christ, but basically established it and goes on to say that sin is a violation or transgression of the law. He then goes on and says that we understand that Jesus was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So that when we find ourselves in sin, that we recognize then that Christ um, was manifested to take that away and that in him really is no sin. And he goes on to say, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So God lays it out for us here that if we abide in Jesus, we don't walk in sin. That doesn't mean that we're sinless. 
but it does mean that we attempt to walk out our lives in a way that we're not living in sin. But the Bible goes on to say that if we don't do that, whoever sins has not seen him nor known him. So that if we live in sin, if we pursue sin as what we think is right, and we do these things thinking that they're the right way to get to where we're going, and living this way, God says, we haven't seen him and neither do we really know him. The Bible then says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So we are told not to be deceived by the fact that we can do evil and yet at the same time uh, consider ourselves sons of God. That the Bible expects that we're, if we're going to be the sons of God, that then we would be righteous like he's righteous. Again, that doesn't mean, like we said, that we're sinless, but it also doesn't mean that we pursue sin as our way of life, that we recognize and understand that sin is wrong, sin is evil, and that we shouldn't be in the pursuit of it. So ultimately, it becomes important for us to understand, the Bible goes on to say that he that commits sin is of the devil, that God doesn't cut any corners. You know, he says that if we're committing sin and we're living in sin, then that sin is of the devil. The devil sinned from the beginning, and Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So bottom line, then, is that when we find ourselves committing sin, the Bible says that it's the evil one, it's the devil that is bringing this about. He's the one that's taking us in that direction, and we have to recognize that as such and realize that God is the one who says that he manifested Christ to take away our sins and that when it was over, that we might not find ourselves, as the Bible says, Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. The Bible then says, whosoever is born of God doesn't commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You know, most of what I've read about this says basically what we're saying is that whosoever is born of God is not a practicer of sin, a continual practicing sin on an ongoing basis, but that his seed remains in him and he can't practice sin uh, because he's born of God. If you can commit sin and practice sin and it doesn't bother you, then the Bible claims that for sure you're not a child of God. There's no way that you can have unrighteousness or things that are going on and it not burden you down or bother you or trouble you if you are a son of God, if you're a child of God. Because the Bible says that the Spirit of God dwells in us, and this then brings us to that place of how we live our lives. The Bible says in verse 10, in this the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever does not do righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So God makes it clear again a distinction, a way that we can understand, and that is that the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil by their works, their righteousness, how they live, and then their unrighteousness in how they live. And God says this is how he makes the distinction or how we can make our ultimate distinction. He says, for this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was there, that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. 
he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So the Bible then tells us that if we hate our brother, we're just as bad as being a murderer. And God says that we shouldn't understand that no eternal life abides in us if we hate our brothers. So that we should love our brothers, and therefore then knowing that what God is dwelling on the inside of each and every one of us. He said, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, then he goes on to talk about what, what he means here. He says, whosoever has the world's goods and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwell the love of God in him? You know, in other words, if you see someone in need and you're not willing to help them in that need, how then does God's love dwell in you? How can you say that you love God if, in fact, you're not willing to do that? And then he goes on to say, we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, that what we're doing and how we live and all that should be taken into consideration for our brethren and those that we are dealing with. Then in verse 18, he says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And then he kind of gives you a little test. He says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So it's really our own heart that helps us to understand, perceive, know where God is in a thing. Helps us to understand, perceive, and know where we are in a thing. And, and, and this is important in terms of how we how we deal with ourselves, how we deal with things, how we deal with other people. Uh, because ultimately, there's no other real way to detect or figure out what's going on other than through this mechanism. In one place, the Bible says that we, man doesn't know his heart. It's exceedingly wicked. He thinks he knows um, and then finds himself somewhere that, you know, he should not have been. And ultimately, we're not sure exactly how that process works. But many times we are saying, you know, we, we believe that we know what's going on in our hearts. And ultimately, then um, we find out that not so much. And that it's exposed in a different kind of way sometimes than as it goes. But God says our heart, if our heart condemns us, then he's greater than our heart. I mean, you know, if God wanted to condemn you, it's easy enough for him to do it, uh, but your heart kind of helps get you there, you know, to know kind of what's going on in your life and, and what is happening and what needs to be done or could, might want to be done or needs to be looked at or dealt with. And then in the next verse, he says, and whatsoever we ask, he says, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we can have confidence toward God. It's important to be able to have confidence toward God in what we're asking him and what we need from him and what we desire from him. And many times along the way, God will do things to help us have confidence in what we're asking. But at the same time, it's important enough for us to realize that we have to have confidence toward God. And then the Bible says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So we receive from God what it is that he wants us to have when we recognize that it's important to follow through on the word and what the word says, okay? And as we do that, it's easier for us to receive what it is that God has for us because we're doing the things that please God. Then the next verse you see says, and this is his commandment. 
that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that we abide in, he abideth in us by the spirit which he has given us. So the Holy Spirit, that spirit which God has now given to us, is how we know that we are abiding in Christ. Now, when you look at the chapter in general, what you see happening is uh, John laying out for us an understanding, if you will, of how we can determine and distinguish the sons of God and those that are not. We can determine how has eternal life abiding in them and who does not. And we can recognize and see fully that God is not saying that we should live sinless, but he's definitely saying that sin should not dominate our lives. Um, and we need to recognize that. And we need to also recognize that God uh, expects us not to let sin dominate our lives uh, and that we can expect God to forgive us. We saw that in the beginning where the Bible says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. Yet at the same time, we have to recognize that God also is, is speaking loudly and clear uh, concerning the issue of sin uh, in the life of believers and the things that we need to understand about what that looks like. Many times then, it's like Brother Chris said on Sunday, talking about repentance and things of that nature, that there are things sometimes that require uh, us to do things or to be involved a certain way or, or to, to, to deal with things a certain way. And ultimately then, this becomes God's uh, way, if you will, for us to make our way back uh, to him uh, through this mechanism, if you, if you will, of repentance. Sometimes, as we say, the road can be a little bit rougher than we might expect it to be. But at the same time, then, we can know that at the end of this, that God's expectation is that uh, he will grant to us eternal life. The key is, I think, on all of this is trying to make sure that we fully understand how God is very, very concerned. Obviously, when you read what uh, 1 John says, chapter 3, he's very concerned about this manifestation in our life. And to the extent that we understand how concerned God is, it becomes very impossible, if, if not Im, impossible, if not improbable, for sure, to get to the place that God wants us to be if we cannot, what, fulfill what the text is telling us. And then we see this throughout the whole book of 1 John. And we see it in John's gospel where he talks about Jesus and he says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And by that dwelling among us, we came to realize what God really would be like if he were here. That God was pure, that God was sinless, that God was interested in making sure that our lives could be blessed. But that also that we needed to recognize that we needed to build our lives uh, on a rock. And so that in doing that, then we could withstand the storms and things that would come into our lives. And many times when those storms come, it becomes more important that, in fact, we have built our lives on Christ. It's, it's important to recognize when you look at chapter 3 again also that I think that what we're finding here more and more and more is that John is drilling down harder and harder on the concept of distinguishing ourselves you know, and understanding the distinction between uh, those that are of God and those that are not. And, you know, many times quickly we uh, condemn different people for different things and we're looking at things. But at the same time, I think that we come to a recognition, at least I know I have, 
um, that there are things that, you know, we all have to recognize that that's God, that's not God. This is something that a path that God would have you on. This is a path God would not have you on. And many times when these things manifest themselves, it, it, it's just a different type of situation that can occur here and there in your lives. Now, when we talked about our brothers, we have to also be very, very careful about how we deal with each other. The Bible says that, you know, we ought to extend our love one to another and deal with each other in such a way that when it's over, we recognize how God wants us to deal with each other, and that is loving one another. And that if we don't do that, then we lose, if you will, um, the standing with God that he wants us to have. Um, many times when you think about laying down, the Bible says we should lay down our lives for our brothers, it's like, what does that really look like, and what does that really mean, and how does that really manifest itself? Um, Sometimes I'm not really sure. I know that Jesus, when he talked about him laying down his life, he physically laid down his life for us so that ultimately we could have uh, eternal life. So, there, so on the way and on the path to the place that God has for each and every one of us, there is a, a, a some of this occurring and happening in terms of us laying down our lives for those that are around us and that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers this way. And, and, and I think it's important enough for us to think about it because if we don't, what happens is we're kind of all left one by themselves. You know, everybody's kind of, you know, uh, in their own little camp here and there. Nobody has anybody to really kind of reach out and, and talk to, like Brother Chris said on Sunday, you know, in terms of uh, someone that you can reach out, confess, talk, do whatever it is you're doing. If we don't have that ability, then ultimately then we find ourselves kind of isolated, you know, in our worlds as believers. So God has called us all to love each other, called us all to make sure that we walk righteously before us, called us all to make sure that we bear out truth uh, in our lives and in the things that we're doing so that ultimately uh, we can manifest uh, the fact that we are children of God. It is very, very difficult when, I think, as a child of God, it's very, very difficult to, to bear the load, if you will, um, of life or things that are not done in God's way. When you're trying to bear that load, it becomes extremely difficult because God has called us a certain way, and, and as believers and having the Spirit of God, you know, we sense, we know our hearts, are heavy, if you will, in terms of what it is that we're dealing with in our own lives as we're trying to push and to be what we think God has called us to be. We continue to pray, to ask God to release us to be what it is that he wants us to be so that when it's all over, our lives might, when they're uh, um, placed out there, if you will, um, represent something, you know, and not um, represent when it's all over um, another lost uh, life. And, and the idea is that in it all, God is trying his best, I think, to get all of us across that line. Sometimes it can be more difficult than others. But the reality is that in all of it, God is uh, there. God is strong. God is faithful. God's desire is to keep us, I think, on track and to make sure that when it's all over, uh, we receive the blessings that God really desires us to have. I think in the spirit, the idea becomes, uh, the Bible says this in that previous chapter, that the anointing which you have received of him 
you don't need anybody to teach you. Um, that anointing will teach you, and that it is that no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. So it's the anointing of God, the Spirit of God, the presence of God that helps to continue to lead us to where God wants us to be. And ultimately, wherever that is, we have to understand that we have to go there. You know, I mean, this is the idea. God leads us by his spirit. God brings us to a place. And in all of that, we find what he's trying to do, what we see in chapter 3. And that is to get us on a path, if you will, uh, of righteousness. You know, that, that we understand that as we're children of God, that then there is a path uh, that we have to walk. Now, I want to say, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to kind of move to chapter 4 a little bit because I want to, I want to tie this back um, to what we're talking about now. So I'm going, to, I'm going to read a couple verses out of chapter 4 and tie it back as he continues this discussion. In John, 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 1 through 3. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now also already is in the world. So we see then that we're told that we should not believe every spirit. God has given us in verse 24. God has given us a spirit. Chapter 4, believe not every spirit. But he says, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the way that we know the spirit of God is that every spirit that confesses that Jesus came in the flesh is of God. Now that just doesn't just mean that um, Jesus physically was here. It also means that Christ walked talked and dealt with people in the flesh, and the Messiah has actually come. Not some spirit, not some spirit being, not some type of religious belief that we've had, but the reality is that it ought to be that we find that the Spirit of God allows us to recognize and see and know that Jesus has actually come, right? In other words, it confesses Christ has come. It confesses that the actual Messiah himself has walked, and we've heard what God has had to say, okay? So when we read Jesus' sayings, we know what God had to say about things. We know what God, how he feels about things. And so everywhere that we read, and I wanted to pick those up, everywhere that we go as we're dealing with John, we see him consistently dealing with this concept of the spirit and that we ought to try the spirits. We ought to pray. We ought to listen for the spirit of God. And that as we labor under certain situations, that it becomes obvious to us that there's something that needs to be dealt with. Okay? <laughs> when he says, beloved, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Uh, we can have confidence toward God when our heart is not condemned, but when it is, it's hard to have confidence. It's hard to have that confidence that God is going to be there. God is going to do this. God, as you ask him for things, that God is on the move about doing them. This is important enough for us to understand because we see it manifest itself 
in our lives. John, again, like I said, from the beginning, he talks about how Jesus came, how Jesus died, how if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word's not in us. So he, he tries to make it clear that we're not saying that no people have not sinned, okay, um, because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But at the same time, he says that we need to confess our sins so that we can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And the question ultimately of what degree and to what and how much and where um, was something, like I said again, that uh, Chris talked about on Sunday. And so ultimately, um, this is an area that each person working through their lives uh, has to deal with. Uh, he says, um, my children, and I'm in, I'm in chapter 2 now. I'm going to go back here a little bit. He says, my children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he's a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we see then again that we talked last week about how Jesus did not die just for uh, those who have confessed him, but that his, his blood covers the entire world, and that anyone who then has been born since Christ died, who lives now, even 2,000 years out, can appropriate the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and to be basically called um, by God a child of God. It's very, very important then for us to recognize how this works. The Bible said, again, we talked about this last week, that he that hates his brother is in darkness. And we talked about that a moment ago because many times, you know, we have a lot of different thoughts and ideas, I guess, about uh, one another and about people. And ultimately, he says that when we walk in a way that we hate each other, we basically have not overcome the wicked one. And he's the one who pits us one against the other. He's the one that brings about um, the destructive behavior that occurs. And he goes on to tell us that we shouldn't love the world nor the things that are in it, that ultimately, if we do that, the love of the Father is not in us. And so we have to recognize that these are the things that bring us to the place uh, that many times creates the problems in our lives. He says, for everything that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So I think then that it's important enough for us to recognize then that abiding in the word and the will of God is what keeps us, as the scripture says, abiding forever. Now, um, let's go back to where we were in John, 1 John chapter 3, and let's break down a couple of these scriptures a little bit more. I want to look at verse 2 again, where it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So the Bible then tells us for sure that when Jesus appears, we are going to be like he is. Well, we don't really know what he, what he looks like and how he is, uh, will manifest himself, but the Bible says that we will be like as he is. And then, it, like I said again, it says that we seek to purify ourselves even as he is pure, if we have this hope. Now, what's interesting about this verse, and I think, again, it goes, like I said, I'll mention what Brother Chris said on Sunday. 
is the extent to which and how this takes place. Um, I'm not exactly sure, as uh, Chris was saying, in terms of how you, how you pursue that sometimes. You know, I think that there's a, there's a, a method to that. Uh, there's a way to that. You know, I think that in everyday life, there's some living that we have to do and make sure that as we're doing it, that's one of the ways we continue to purify ourselves. Um, the, when we have committed sin and as we confess our sins, there's a process by which the question becomes, how do you do that? How do you manifest that in such a way that is the correct way before God that you do it um, without trying to, I guess, be perfect, yet at the same time kind of getting it done, you know, and making sure that uh, the consequences of it are dealt with. Um, it says in one place, again, it says, whosoever commits sin transgresses the law. So then we understand that, and we said last week, the Bible doesn't do away with the Ten Commandments. You know, God didn't throw them out the door. The Bible says, you know, that basically Christ fulfilled the law so that we then could walk in faith and walk in the commandments and believe God that we could receive from him what it is that he has uh, for us. I, I believe then that, you know, the power of the Spirit of God is always going to manifest itself uh, in difficult circumstances and situations. I mean, that's usually when, um, because Paul said, you know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's when then the power of God, Christ, he said, can rest upon us. We can come before the throne boldly to, to obtain mercy and the grace to help in time of need. And so there are tremendous situations sometimes that all of us are different people, all of us have to deal with. And ultimately, the question then becomes, how do we manage our way through this so that ultimately we are living our life out like children of God. The Bible says, again, don't deceive yourself. You know, there's, a, there's something to be said about um, how we live and what ultimately matters to God. Um, so, so we cannot go around pretending that these things don't matter to God. Um, so he says, don't let anybody deceive you with that. Um, we got to be careful in looking at and knowing the distinction between when we live God's life and when we don't, and when we're acting as children of God and when we're not, and ultimately what that looks like for us uh, as the people of God. It's interesting, again, I'm going to go back to verse 16. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And, you know, and, and I guess you know, many times the question, you know, he, he goes on to talk about the world's goods and seeing somebody in need, um, but I, I wonder to the extent that there's a deeper meaning there as well. You know, Jesus in one place said that, you know, I'm the good shepherd. Uh, I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, the, the, the wolf, uh, the, shepherd sees the, or the shepherd sees the wolf coming and, or the, the hireman sees the wolf coming and he flees. He said, whereas the shepherd sees the wolf coming and instead of running, he stands his ground. You know, he just has to stand his post. Uh, and when the wolf is there, well, then it's, <laughs> it is what it is at that point, right? I mean, but at least the shepherd has attempted to uh, defend his flock. And ultimately, that is the key to making sure that one is willing to lay down their lives, if you will, uh, for their brethren. And I think this is what Jesus was saying. You know, he said in one place when they were talking about him, smite the uh, shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Um, and ultimately, this is... What happened to Jesus? You know, they, he got smote and his uh, flock um, 
flu, you know, but Jesus was the perfect shepherd. So we're not talking about, you know, um, things that are not uh, correct or not right or something like that. So what we're talking about then here is that Jesus makes it plain, or, or, or John, that if you lay down your life for your brethren, this is the good thing to do before God, all right? And that we should be able to have compassion, if it will, he says, because if the, we don't have compassion, how can the love of God dwell in us? He says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So ultimately, God's like, look, I, I really need you to do something versus talking about something. You know, I, I, I'm going to need you to demonstrate love um, and not just by saying it, not just by uh, with, with your tongue, but in what you're doing and, 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 in, the, in, and in the truth and how you're pursuing the truth about the things that you're doing. Because he says, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and we can assure our hearts before him. So, so I think it's important, again, in recognizing what John is saying, that it's, it's, it's important enough for us as believers to reach this place that John is talking about, one of fully recognizing God's absolute problem uh, with sin, that God is not pleased with it, that God is not interested in um, uniting with sin, that God is righteous and holy, and that God expects us to pursue our life in a way uh, that will bring about that result. Um, and so, I, 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 again, I think that First John um, continues to kind of grind out the same thing that you see uh, John saying in the book of Revelation. He talks in Revelation a lot about seeing Jesus and his purity. Um, in the end, he talks about um, the, the lake of fire, and he talks about the uh, city of gold and all this, and he makes a distinction between um, righteous and unrighteous. Jesus did the same thing when he talked about sheep and goats and, and all these different things that were going on uh, in his conversation, if you will, uh, with his disciples. And so John seems to have this kind of insight into Jesus because, of course, it appears that he was constantly with Jesus. The Bible says that it appears that he was the one who laid his hand on Jesus' breast uh, when he told him that Judas was going to, you know, betray him and these things. And so ultimately then we see that John has a better insight into the heart of Jesus and into the heart of him uh, as Savior. And as such then, he's clear in helping us to understand that we can't believe every spirit. Every spirit's not of God. We got to try these spirits, and we got to realize that the spirit ought to be confessing that Jesus came uh, in the flesh, which means then that everything that Jesus stood for that he did uh, is actually what uh, we believe and what we uh, attempt to pursue and to teach. I think then, as, as much then as John has done this, he continues to tell us, like we saw in the beginning, that he's always talking about the beginning. You know, he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And here he talks about it when he started here. He keeps saying that which was from the beginning. You know, we understand then again that Jesus, he's talking about how in the beginning he saw Christ. He was with Christ. He listened to Christ. Uh, they walked and they saw the life of Christ manifested. And in that manifesting, I mean, if you think about it, that's, very, that's just an awesome thing uh, when you think about what John experienced. And when he talks about, he says, this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and him in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. 
But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from sin. So it's, it's kind of just like these lights here. You know, if we turn them off, it gets darker in here. If we turn all the lights off, it gets really dark, and it becomes more difficult to find steps and anything else. But when the light turns on, it's easy to see the road that you have to walk and the way you need to go. And so John is constantly helping us to understand Christ, Jesus, and what it was that he represented as he was there. You know, he wasn't physically a light. The idea, though, was that what was coming out was light. It's like the Bible says the word of God is a light, you know, to my feet, a lamp. You know, a light to my path, a lamp unto my feet. And I'm looking, seeing where to walk so that I don't stumble, seeing where I'm walking to make sure that I can stay on the path with God, and seeing where I'm going so that ultimately I am able to arrive in the place that God wants me to be. Now, again, like I said, the Bible makes it clear that God, again, and and this is, I mean, it's just weaved throughout this book. I mean, this whole book is weaved throughout with the idea that God is looking at our lives and that he's concerned about our lives and he's concerned about us as people and that ultimately um, he, he's, he manifests himself in such a way that it makes it clear um, that he's intending to bring about his will, uh, his way and his will in our lives, that ultimately whatever we see happening, whatever we see manifesting, we got to realize that God is in control and that God is the one who then has the final word on our lives and on the things that are going on around us. Um, the Bible said, again, in John This is John chapter 2, verse 24. He says, we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. In other words, it's not, if we're prayerful, if we pursue God, the Holy Spirit will give us a direction. He'll help to lead us. He'll help to guide us. It doesn't mean that we know everything like God knows everything. But the Bible says that we know the things we need to know. We know the things that we need to know. And that is that he wants us to know He says, I've written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. You know the truth. And the truth, he says, no lies of the truth. So the bottom line is that we need to recognize the distinction and that ultimately we've got to live out our lives in truth. And he says, who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Messiah? So this is really more about Jesus' Messiahship in the sense that Anyone who denies that Jesus is, in fact, who he declares himself to be in terms of the actual king of the world, the son of God, uh, the light of the world, uh, and all of this, that he doesn't recognize, we don't recognize, and we become liars when we don't do that. He says, whosoever denies the son, the same hath not the father. But he that acknowledges the son hath the father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Then he goes on and says, and this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. You know, God has made a promise to us that if we pursue after Christ and pursue after the righteousness of God, that he, in fact, will give us eternal life. You know, as I said before, that path that we find ourselves on uh, and the path that has to be taken sometime depends on 
the route that God has for our lives, and sometimes we kind of pick that path. I think sometimes, whether on purpose, maybe not so much, whether uh, intentionally, maybe sometime, but the reality is that it is a path that ultimately still has to be walked out uh, once we find ourselves on it. It's kind of like if you wander off into the woods uh, and it turns night before you get out of there. And if you don't have a compass or anything to kind of look at and show you what's north or whichever way to go, then you're kind of lost in the woods. Uh, so all you can do for the most part is sit down and wait for the light, you know, so that ultimately when the light comes on, you can get yourself up and get out of there. Um, and sometimes this, I think, is a way we can compare what's happening uh, in life uh, with us and, and with all of us um, and with, at different stages and different times. Um, the, let me see. All right. Um, l l let me see if I can move back over where I was at when I was talking about the heart in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Now, in the book of Job, I want to go over there. This is Job 22:26. Job 22:26. We see a verse... It says this, but then thou shalt have thy delight in the Almighty and shalt lift up thy face unto God. You know, as Job was going through various things, there came a point where God made it clear to him, or at least he heard through the, some of these friends, even though some of what they were saying wasn't necessarily right things they were saying toward Job, as they were looking at what was happening to him and all, but at the same time, this verse of once you've kind of crossed over certain points in your life, the Almighty becomes your defense, and he says, and thou shalt have plenty of, well, he says, for then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty, and shalt lift up thy face unto God, so that ultimately then it becomes God that you are pursuing, and God that you're seeking, and God that is really what you're all about when you come to that place. And when you go back to what John said, he says, beloved, if our heart condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. The idea is that whatever's going on with us, if, if once we get to the place where God becomes uh, our delight and actually who it is we're pursuing and what we're doing, in that situation then I think is where we find ourselves with God uh, as our only hope. That God, as the Bible, like it says, uh, blessed is the man that walks in the counsel, not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bring forth his fruit in his season, whatsoever he do shall prosper. And so we understand then that this is the place that we pursue to find with God. And ultimately, I think that, you know, it, it becomes very difficult um, to... You know, I mean, I, I think that this is a, a, this is a difficult journey, travel, road that we find ourselves on many times. And I think to the extent that we allow God to manifest himself on that road uh, makes it easier, if you will, for us to travel the road uh, that we find ourselves on. Some of these roads um, have been paved. Some of them ain't so paved. Some of them are gravel. Some of them are, are rocky. Some of them, 
you know, you got your shoes on, some of them you don't. And ultimately, I think that in all of that, um, God is, again, grooming and grinding and, and bringing us to the place that we become who he's called us to be. Because without that, um, there's no way then that we can uh, survive uh, our, our battle, if you will, with the adversary and with our enemy. Because we said last time when we talked in the book of Ephesians, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And the Bible then tells us to take on the armor of God so that we can be able to at least stand in that evil day and having done all to stand and that we would have the shield of faith that we could walk with and deal with and hold on to. And so, again, I think that uh, 1 John helps us to clearly see, uh, recognize, and understand that it's all of this uh, life that's important to God. Every bit of our life is important to God. You know, he's looking at all aspects of it, looking at everything we're doing. And there's a, there's a, there's a time and a season for everything. There's an opportunity for everything. And sometimes I think that, you know, there are windows of opportunity that, you know, we have to be cognizant of and, 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 and be looking for and know when uh, it's time to move into a particular season or into a particular window. And, and so it's, it's important that we be prayerful about that because, Ultimately, if we're not careful, um, we can miss those windows, and we can miss those opportunities, and we can miss those times uh, that God has. Uh, you know, we need to be prayerful. We need to stay in prayer as we continue to try to seek out God and to have his best in our lives so that ultimately, as we walk, we end up being in the place, if you will, that God really wants us to be. Um, it, it, it is a very difficult road that you find John speaking about in terms of making sure that we don't become aligned, if you will, with the adversary. And the question of how that can occur in our lives just depends on the multiple circumstances that can come about and the things that we fail to pay attention to. And so I think that it's important enough for all of us to recognize uh, that God is concerned about that. Jesus is concerned about it. And the Holy Spirit is as well concerned about these things and that we have to realize that each step of the way, God has his grace and his mercy that delivers us, his grace and his mercy that keeps us, and then at the same time, we have to be a cognizant of what's going on uh, along the way as we continue to move through this process we call life uh, and what we're doing uh, before God. There are many people, I think, that sometime when we find ourselves trying to figure out what does all this mean, um, that tend to kind of toss it up in the air uh, and just let it land where it will. I don't necessarily think that's the right way to do that. I do think that we, the Bible says in one place, study to show yourself approved unto God. Um, try to seek out God to understand exactly what he's saying and how he's saying it and what he desires you to do in a given situation. Sometimes it's much more obvious than others. Uh, so all we can do is pursue. Sometimes when people are sick, Sometime when other things are happening, you know, finding what it is we ought to be doing, we know for sure is that we should be applying ourselves toward God and making sure that we are living out the way God would want us to live something out. Uh, because ultimately, God is the one <clears throat> who final, has the final call on whatever's going on and the final say on however we do whatever it is we're doing. And so I, I want to just make sure that we're clear here tonight that. John is being extremely cautious with us 
making and teaching us slowly enough to make us understand what's important to God, why it's important to God, and why we need to make sure we're pursuing it. Uh, because otherwise, um, he's saying to us that then we've got some other things we're going to have to deal with in terms of dealing with God uh, and the circumstances and situations. And so I, 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 I love what it is that he continues to try to get across in terms of the message that he says um, that we've heard from the beginning, and that this is that God is pure and righteous. We should try to pursue him uh, in that same way. Um, not always so easy. You know, not sometimes things are just forgotten. Some things are missed. Some things bring about uh, confusion, and the question then just becomes the whys or the wherefores as it relates to that. But at the same time, we know that God is true, and he's not a liar, and that the Bible says that only man is a liar, God uh, is not, and ultimately we have to know that and walk in what we know. Now, I want to say that I think ultimately when this is all over, um, you know, John continues to, to barrel down the hatches, if you will, button down the hatches, if you will, as he continues eventually to start talking about overcoming the world and whosoever overcomes the world um, is a child of God. And so I think that this is important enough for us to realize that this is um, a marathon and not a sprint and that ultimately each of us are in the race and in that race, we have to recognize that there are, you know, there, there are turnoffs, there are hills, there are climbs, there are things that have to happen along this road as we're running it. And ultimately, as we continue to run, that we're looking to see as we are doing our, as we're running, we're looking to see, okay, God, what, 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 is, what is being said to me right now? What is being meant by this situation right now? What does this prove out to me right now? And what is it that I should be doing right now? And how is it that uh, my life can be better based on where it is right now? And that ultimately then I find the place that I'm supposed to find in Christ. I want to take this time then to also, I think, reiterate when you look at our fellowship, the Bible says, this is John in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. He said, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So he's saying then that I want you to be clear that your fellowship is with God, that I want your joy to be full like we said before, when we come here all the time, that there's a difference between joy and happy, that, you know, many times people are trying to be happy, whereas basically joy is this constant awareness of God's well-being in our lives and that God is there. God is taking care of what it is that he's going to do. And ultimately then, for each and every one of us, it becomes important that we have this joy, this fellowship, and this manifestation of life that we have. He says again, like I told you, there's no darkness in God. <laughs> the Bible says uh, plainly in verse 5, this is the message we declare to you, God is light and him no darkness. So, you know, I think it's clear. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear 
you know, when you, if you turn the lights off in here, we know what it looks like when it's dark. Um, you turn the lights on, and we know the difference between the two. Uh, we know when it's night. We know when it's day. And I think that all of this brings us to a clear revelation, if you will, at least, of God and not. And so I, I am pressed, I guess, to say that it's important as you keep going in life and you keep seeing situations and you keep dealing with things that you come to the place to recognize that God has a way. You know, he always has a way of, of manifesting uh, himself and manifesting what he wants us to understand about life and about these different kinds of things. And, and I just pray and hope that as we continue and see uh, God manifesting himself, that we, we understand it and walk away with it with an understanding of God himself and, and who he really is. Because when he says, I write unto you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one, I write unto you, little children, this is in verse 13, because you have known the Father. So it's clear then that there's an overcoming that occurs, and there's also a knowing of God. And, and John was making it clear that we've got to recognize that there's, there's a way to get through that. When you look at things like um, people like Abraham, you look at um, Jacob, you look at these folks, you look at David, you see different things happening, but then you also see ultimately God uh, revealing himself in their lives and, 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 and manifesting himself in a way that allows them um, to continue forward uh, with their lives in spite of what has occurred uh, in their lives. He says, again, trying to make it clear to us that I want you guys to understand you need to abide in Christ. Now, abiding in Christ, this is where you get uh, your strength. All right, look, I'm going to go ahead and get ready to close. It's about almost 8. So we're going to go ahead and pray and see if we can close uh, and we're going to see you all on Sunday. So let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we just thank you again for the opportunity to come into your house. We thank you for the word of God and for the power of your spirit. Father, we thank you for what you teach us in your word. We thank you for what the word tells us concerning you and your righteousness and your holiness. Father, we continue to pray in the name of Jesus that you will manifest yourself in a way that, Father, we know and understand truth. Father, we believe in you. I believe in your righteousness, and I thank you for all that you have done in this local assembly. I pray and continue to ask in the name of Jesus that you would shine your light upon us, Father, in a, in a gracious way. I pray and ask all of this even now in Jesus' name. Amen.